But I was checking through my emails, walking through them, and I saw one that's kind of a normal deal, a a store that I buy things from pretty regularly, was an email talking about um, a club membership with their store. Right, wanted me to become a club member, and if I became a club member, I'd get so many points. And then if I buy certain things, I get more points and get discounts and eventually would be able to buy more things. And their whole purpose, right, is to get you to buy more and buy more. Well, this idea of club membership, isn't this the way our culture works? It's an intentionality to try to get us to be a part of something where we, maybe we can get some perks, some benefits. Well, this perspective pervades our culture. And, it, and what's happened is this perspective has begun to pervade the culture of the church. See, God has not designed the church to be like a club membership with a few perks. He's designed it with something much more beneficial and much greater in mind. So as we look at the word this morning, we're going to see how the Lord's design plays out. If you've got your word, we're going to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 11 and pick up and move from there. Starts out this way, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So look at where it starts. It was he, this is the Lord, who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. These are leadership type roles within the church. And how do we know he's talking about the church? We'll take a quick look there in verse 12 to to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. How do we know the body is the church? If you take a quick look over at Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23, it points out what it means by the body. It says, verse 22 of chapter 1, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. So he's talking about the church here in Ephesians chapter 4, and he's set up an intentional structure of leaders who are designed, built, gifted, to be able to lead the body of Christ. And what does it lead, what, do, what do this group lead them to? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Right? The intentional design of God is that the church would have leaders that equip people for the works that God's designed them to do. See, so here's, here's the deal. It doesn't say that God's given leaders so that all the leaders can do the works of the ministry. Right? Other translations say they do to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The pastors are not the ones that do all the ministry. The pastors are designed to equip you and train the church so that the church and every person in the church can accomplish the ministry God's given each person to do. 2 Corinthians 5 speaks clearly that when we trust Christ, we're a new creation, and out of that we are given the ministry of reconciliation. and We're ambassadors of Christ. That's to every single person. So there's a structure the Lord has built So if you came to me and said, I've got a friend that is curious about learning about Christ, kind of implying you want them to come meet with me, my response to you is, great, how can I help you share the gospel with them? Because God has called you to do the work of the ministry, and he's called us to help equip 
There's intentional design in the way God has built the church. So we prepare God's people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're going to walk through those benefits of what happens in just a minute. But you remember, as Kevin's been leading us through the book of 1 John, there's this theme of abiding in Christ. What is it like to abide, to rest in Christ? I tell you that in God's intentional design, we cannot fully abide in the Lord apart from the church. God has designed it so that we abide in him in part through the church. So let me give you a couple possible images of what the church could look like. One image could be a cruise ship. You ever been on a cruise ship? Right, some of you just got real nervous and you got claustrophobic and too many people and too many germs. Right, but for the most part, a cruise ship, you get on that ship, from the moment you get on, someone says, how can I help you? What can I do for you? I have tested this intentionally. You can get pizza anytime you want. I've tried it at two in the morning, it's still there. I intentionally tested the system and they always had it ready. Or the midnight chocolate buffet, right? Chocolate is never bad, and it's never bad at midnight. It's just a good rule of thumb. Eat it when you can. And then you go on these excursions, and they plan these excursions for you. And then you come back, and you go into your room, and it's been magically picked up and cleaned, and someone's folded your towel into a little swan and put it on your pillow. Like, everything is designed for your comfort. Feels pretty nice. It's different than an aircraft carrier. Right? You ever been on board an aircraft carrier or seen an aircraft carrier? Nobody's folding your pillow into a swan. But every person on that ship knows their role. There's a mechanic who's designed to help the ship keep working and to work on the plane so they can fly and accomplish the missions they've been given to accomplish. There's cooks so that everybody can eat. There's captains and navigators and radar people who help make sure the ship's going where it needs to go and, and is protected so the way that it needs to be protected. All these roles are intentionally designed and built. Here's the reality. That there's a side of us that would love for the church to be a cruise ship because then it would be designed for me and be all about me. And there's a, there's a piece of me that would love to say, everybody come do things for me so that I can relax and just sit back. But there's an issue with that. It doesn't accomplish much of a mission or a purpose. It doesn't provide fulfillment the way that God designed us to be fulfilled. It doesn't lead us to the place that God has called us. See, treating the church like a cruise ship acts like there's no big important mission or purpose that we have to accomplish. That we can just float along and be about our own lives. And we have an enemy that would love for us to stay in that mentality. But the aircraft carrier, God has designed and gifted. Look at how it talks about. So God has designed and gifted every single member of the body of Christ with gifts and resources so that we can more effectively accomplish the mission God's given us to accomplish. 
And not only do we accomplish the mission, we find our greatest place of joy and abiding in Christ through being a part of that aircraft carrier. We're actually built to enjoy the work that he's designed us to do. And God created us to be a part of the body of Christ for that to happen. So here's, here's another picture. You know, last week, Kevin talked about how we resemble our Heavenly Father. How as we abide in Christ, we begin to resemble our Father. We begin to look like Him, begin to act like Him. Well, God so intentionally designed the church that a part of our ability to resemble and look like the Father comes from others in the church. So think about it. Um, younger siblings learn from older siblings how to look like their father, how to resemble their parents. Here's an example. There are several things I want to teach my kids. There's one that's very important, and this is a part of my legacy. It's how to properly eat a cupcake. Because every cupcake has a design flaw. They're built wrong. There's way too much cake on the bottom. Right? You got all this excess cake with no icing on it. It's an issue. So from an early age, I taught our oldest son how to eat a cupcake. You pull the bottom off and you stick it on top so the icing's in the middle. So you've got this right picture of how a cupcake should be eaten. Well, part of my joy as a dad was uh, a few years ago, we're at a birthday party and my oldest son, without any prompting from me, I look over and he's ripped the bottom off that cupcake and he's put it right on top. Sit out a boy. That's the way you do that. And then this year, watching our younger, our younger two, we have four kids, two of our younger ones, watched their older brother at a birthday party rip the bottom off, put it on top. You know what the younger two did? Rip the bottom off, put it on top. And they began to eat that cupcake. It's a proud moment as a dad. You know your legacy will live on. But this picture of we learn to resemble our heavenly father by other brothers and sisters in Christ who are ahead of us. As we watch them and they watch the father, we learn from them and learn to emulate and reflect our father too. God intentionally designed us to learn from others in the faith who are farther along than us. Not just necessarily by physical age, but spiritual age. And those that are older in the faith to intentionally teach the youngers in the faith how to resemble the Father. This was not an accident. This is not a simple club that we jump into and maybe have a few perks. This was God's purposeful plan. Now here's the issue for us. As an earthly dad, I don't completely and perfectly resemble my heavenly Father. I don't always do everything the way that I should. So there are examples my kids learn from me that are not always perfectly right. A small one I learned, I was reminded of it yesterday. Our almost two-year-old was sitting on the arm of the couch. You know that little spot that as parents you always tell your kids don't sit there because you'll fall off and hit your head on the hardwood floor? She was sitting on that spot. And I looked at her and I said, Georgia, I need you to hop down. We don't sit there. And as soon as I said we don't sit there, my brain rewinded to about a minute before that. You know who was sitting in that exact same spot? Me. She had just watched me sit there. And she sat there. And I know all of you who are older, older siblings, or if you are the older sibling, you always have given a perfect example for how your younger siblings should operate, right? 
No, all of you have stories you haven't told your parents and you're waiting to fully grow up before you tell them. You've learned from each other. It's what we do. But this image that even though the church is not perfect, it's not made up of perfect people, God still designed it for us to learn how to follow and resemble our Father by doing it together. There's not a one of us that God designed to be a spiritual only child. Where it's just me and God over here by ourselves and I'm going to be able to abide perfectly in him. That's not the design. That's not what God called us to. Look at what he, what he says in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we operate together, as we lean into the body, as the body operates under the intentional purpose of the Lord, we move toward unity in Christ. We move toward unity in faith. We move toward unity in the knowledge of Christ. And we move toward maturity. Now this passage talks about until we reach full maturity. Guess what? We don't reach that this side of heaven. But there is an ability of the body together to help us move more toward Christ. Even though at times it feels easier to be on the cruise ship than it does to be on the aircraft carrier. God's purpose is more for you than to sit in self-purpose. So let's take a look at what happens when we do that. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Did you catch that? So as we abide in Christ together, as we operate in the way God designed us to operate, we're no longer tossed back and forth by simple deception or schemings See, in 1 John, remember Kevin's talked about, the, the book talks about the deceivers and that there are deceivers. How do we protect against that? This passage just talked about it. We lean in together with the gifts God's given us, move toward unity in the faith, move toward unity in Christ. We grow to maturity because of the way we operate together, and then we have a protection against deception. So several years ago, I was a college pastor at a different church. And we took several college students to a national conference. And they were really excited to be able to hear some of the speakers that were going to be there. And there was one in particular they were really excited to hear. And this, this guy, this individual, he had sold all of his kind of possessions, had gone overseas, had lived in poverty, served poverty. And they were really excited to hear a guy who had put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and lived it out. And so as this guy began to speak one night, I began to listen to him. He was real articulate, told great stories, did all kinds of, of things to really draw students in. But on multiple occasions, he would say something that was in direct contradiction to Scripture. I could have taken you right to the Scripture that said the opposite of what he just said. And I thought, I want to hear how the students engage this. So when we got done, we went back to the hotel, gathered in a room. I asked him, so tell me what you thought. Tell me what you experienced. It was interesting. The first hand shot up. It was awesome. This was amazing. He was incredible. Other hands started going up, and they began to talk about how amazing it was. And then one hand kind of hesitantly went up. And this one girl said, I was really excited to hear him. But when he said this, that didn't line up with what Scripture says. Then there was another hand. When he said this, that didn't match up. 
And there were three of them that had picked up on things that didn't match with Scripture. And the others, one of the others who was one of the first to say, I was so excited, they just admitted. They said, you know what? I was so excited to hear him that I missed what he was teaching. You know how the body protects against deception, whether intentional or unintentional? It was in that time together where the body together was able to unpack and be able to say, hey, this is what the scripture says because the scripture is our anchor. Not I think or I feel, but scripture says. And it was because the body was together and they were operating together, they were able to move toward Christ in truth and be protected from the deception that could have crept in. So go on, what does it say? So it protects us, and then verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here it is, instead, so we're not being tossed around by the waves of the sea. We're not just being kicked back and forth. But what we are doing is we're able to speak the truth in love and all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Everything is moving toward Christ. See, as we move toward maturity with each other, then what happens is we speak the truth in love. Right? Because I could speak the truth to you and be a jerk about it. Or I could be focused on how do I love you well? How do I just be compassionate and leave the truth out because I'm afraid of how it might make you feel? But the reality is Jesus says I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So if we leave out the truth, we leave out Jesus. And we learn to speak the truth in love to one another because we're moving toward maturity in Christ. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone where they either shared truth in love to you, or you share truth in love with them, so that the purpose is the body could be built up, so they can move toward maturity in Christ, right? It's a part of the intentional design as we grow in maturity, we speak into each other's lives. You know how that works best? That's when we have relationship with each other. It's really hard to have someone speak into your life when you don't know them. It's really hard to speak into someone else's life when you don't know them. When church is primarily an activity, we don't have the relationships at a level where we would allow someone to speak truth in love. And so as we grow in that maturity, we begin to speak truth in love. And notice what it says, all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Jesus Christ, that everything is about him. Everything molded and shaped comes back to him. The church is designed to be about him. So here's Colossians talks about that in him, all things hold together. There ought to be such diversity in the body of Christ that there is nothing else that could ever be a glue that's strong enough to hold the body of Christ together, except for Jesus Christ. See, when people look around and they look at the church, what they ought to see is people who are completely different. Extreme introverts, extreme extroverts totally different economic standings and jobs and status, different political bearings, all kinds of things. And people ought to be able to look at the church and go, I have no idea how those people are connected except for Jesus Christ. Because he is the purpose. He is the head. He holds it all together. I've been walking through a book over the last several weeks. And one of the 
one of the pictures he brings out of the book is he says, what would happen to your church if God took his hand off of your church? Would it fall apart or would it keep operating like normal? And his point was, if God removes his hand, there ought to be such diversity of the way that God has worked that Christ is the one unifying feature that the whole thing would fall apart. But his concern was that if God removed his hand, we've so built our churches like clubs that are built around similarities and affinities that if God removed his hand, it would keep operating just like normal. The church is designed to be unified under Christ alone. And that is the, he, he is the peace that draws us together and allows us to move toward maturity together. So from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, as you and I do the work that God's designed for us to do within the body of Christ, we begin to thrive. So steps for you and me, how do we move more into the body? Because some people here are saying, you're cringing at the thought of, I have felt the difficulty of the brokenness of the body of Christ because I've been hurt. And if the church is simply a club, then it's very easy to pull back. But if the church is God's intentional design for you to be able to abide in him and fulfill the purpose he's given you, then we have no other option but to lean in and to seek the place that God has designed us to be. Even though we know at times we get hurt. It's not going to operate perfectly because we are imperfect people. Some of us say we've, we've, our version of church has been simply attendance. And God's design is for us to be invested in the body, not just simply to be around other people who are in the body. So you may need this week to go, what does it look like to get in a life group? What does it mean to get into a home group or find some community within the body of believers? Because God's designed you for more than simple attendance. Now the goal is not guilt, right? Some of us sit here and go, okay, now another pastor, make me feel guilty. The goal is not guilt. If you are motivated by guilt, you will not be motivated very long. The goal is to see that God's intentional design is for you to grow in him as a son or daughter of his. And as we do that, it means being a part of the body and that's where you thrive. One of the gifts of this particular local body of Christ is that on any given Sunday, we can show up and there are five generations of people, right? From our youngest to our oldest, there's five generations on this campus. And it's an incredible gift for us to be able to operate that way because there's older in the faith that we can learn from. There's peers in the faith. There's youngers in the faith that we can invest in. That is an incredible gift. But let's be honest. When you've got five generations, you definitely have some different preferences. Right? Different preferences about what the building should look like. Preferences about how small groups should operate. Nobody has any differences or preferences about what music should look like. But when Christ is our unifier, then what happens is we begin to put things on the shelf that are secondary in our preferences so that we can move toward Christ better. 
An example of that would be an 82-year-old and a 22-year-old standing next to each other in a worship service. A hymn comes on that the 82-year-old's been singing almost their entire life. The 22-year-old looks at the 82-year-old, sees them worshiping, and begins to process in their own mind, I see 82 years worth of faithfulness of the Lord working in this person's life. I will praise God because of what he's done in this person's life. I'll worship right alongside them. The next song comes on. It's one of those 7-Eleven songs, right? Same seven words 11 times that that 22-year-olds, generally speaking, and I love these songs, come on. And the 82-year-old looks at the 22-year-old and begins to process, I see that long after I'm gone, I see the future of the church. And I will praise God that the gospel is going to continue to be carried well after I'm gone. I will praise right alongside him. And both have said, my preference goes on the shelf because the unifying feature is Jesus Christ. And we've got a mission to accomplish that's greater than me sitting on a cruise ship all by myself being about me. And I want to thrive as a part of the family of Christ and accomplish what God's called me to accomplish. Because I haven't been called to be a part of a club. I've been gifted to be a part of a family. And praise God, it's more than a simple club. You and I have been gifted the opportunity because of Jesus Christ to be in the family. And we've got brothers and sisters in Christ who, as imperfect as we are, are going to help us learn to resemble our Father and abide in Him more fully. As we do the work that God's called us to do, as we find the places God's called us to serve, as we invest in the relationships that God's given us within the church, we'll begin to find a place of thriving that we never thought possible. It's kind of like a marriage. You know, sometimes in, in, in church, we wait for someone to come and serve us um, in, in hopes that maybe then as, as, we, as they serve me and I'll kind of slowly work my way in, here's the deal. If we did that in our marriages, our marriages would not last. I'm going to wait for my my wife to come to me. She's got to serve me, and then maybe I'll serve her a little bit. You know what happens? If I give everything I have to my marriage, and she in turn learns to give everything she has to our marriage, guess what kind of marriage we have? A marriage that thrives. If I give all that God's given me as a part of the family, and everybody else since a part of the family gives what God's called them and gifted them to give to the family, we have a thriving family that grows to maturity, grows in unity of faith, grows in unity of knowledge of Christ, and grows in maturity of Christ that is protected from deception and that is built up under the head Jesus Christ so we all thrive as a part of the aircraft carrier God's called us to be on. Praise God, we're not sitting in a harbor hanging out in a cruise ship. Because a bunch of cruise ships hanging out in the ocean don't accomplish a lot. They make us feel better. But there's not a lot of mission being accomplished. And there's not a lot of thriving. And each and every one of us knows within our hearts that God has created us for a purpose bigger than ourselves. So as we lay down ourselves, 
play the role God's designed us to play, we find a place of thriving and abiding in Christ that gives great joy and great purpose.